The last avid consultant came a year ago. My trust in the lapse of time solidifies. This one is her reliance, the last traces of recumbent hesitance. The directions in this issue of avid consultant have been gathering in my car and my mind for an unknown amount of time. The sensations influence sort of aesthetic choices and creativity. Like they, they all, at least for me, they all elicit an idea, whether it be audio or visual, that starts to frame your understanding of the moment that is that is much more nostalgic and poetic than maybe it actually was, but it doesn't negate what it actually was. It's just that it's there's so many things constructed into the recollection. To why did I want to be part of it was because I thought, okay, I mean, I've told Julie this story several times, but one day I was for, actually for Week in America, way back when, like, 12 years ago, I was gathering Vox in front of this cafe here in San Francisco, and I um, I started talking to someone, and they were like, "Oh, do you know, do you know, do you know Juliet? She's in radio." And I was like, "Yeah, I do." He said, "You know her? Oh my God, she's amazing! I love her!" And it was just crazy about her. And I remember, and he's this guy named Chicken John. And he went, you know, wanted to be a mayor of San Francisco. He's a real character. And it made me realize, wow, I mean, like, the circle that Julie runs in, like, the various circles that she runs in are fascinating. And um, I want to be part of that. And I think, you know, I think that um, sometimes we, you know, we do all these different things to befriend or, in, or deepen a friendship, or even a, any sort of connection that's there. And, you know, Julie and I may not talk at all unless we see each other at a conference. We may not, um, you know, we may not know about each other's lives necessarily, but we are connected in a way, and I value that connection. And an opportunity to deepen that, even if it's just by sending in a Shel Silverstein poem, um, is, excite, is exciting to me. The dictionary at my elbow, a different sort of weapon, consulted regularly confirms a suspicion regarding a slow leak in spelling skills, which has led to a fascination with words misspelled versus words mistyped versus words misbolded. Biting time. Is atrophy audible? Let's try that again. I'm apparently in a soundproof booth, Garrett, but there are people outside. And I fear you might get some bleed, so, um, I'm sorry if that's the case. Okay. I think I would sit down and kind of, you know, start very, very, um, in the moment and spiral out from there when I was writing. So I'd, I, I can imagine things like, well, it's 2 a.m. in the morning, and I'm trying to finish this up, and so this, you know, excuse this intro for whatever reasons. Um, and it, that might just have been an anchor, anchoring me into a, a, a mindset for writing more about things. I mean, a lot of those early issues are also, that's all handwritten. So it might have just been stream of conscious in the moment, you know, not really pre-written and edited and reshaped and reformatted, just a total brain dump in the moment. And that's probably when I would be most susceptible to describing what I was doing and where I was and why why those circumstances right. were, were, if I was on the road, like the New Zealand 
Now, switching to Avid Consultant, the um, New Zealand issue was really um, a circumstantial <laughs> sort of... Um, it was it, to to a play on words would be it was it was quite it, the anodyne to my situation, which was I had uh, developed a stress fracture while backpacking around New Zealand and needed a project to keep my to keep me occupied, and so I did an an issue of Avid Consultant, um, you know that sort of got it started while I was laid up on somebody's couch in Dunedin, right, um, and then you know I sort of brought that process as closely as I could to my New Zealand experience, which involved being in the Wellington Public Library. I remember the the, the kind of trope for that whole issue was uh, washing, like <laughs> putting clothes out on a clothesline and like washing things, because um, I found a kind of funny manual on that that visually was, uh, you know, kind of stimulated some ideas about, about to play with, I guess. But yeah, so that was very circumstantial, and I think you get a lot of that, like what was going on and the, the mechanics of how that one came together actually in the text. Yeah, I'm holding that, I- that edition. Two pieces of advice. Never make any big life decisions in your 20s that concern another person. You can't hold the baby too much. Well, there's a, is there a gap between Anodyne and Avid Consultant, or did you just kind of change gears? They overlap, and I think I just, you know, after 10 or 11 issues, was ready for something a little different. Samples from Avid Do you know how to find your way? Princess Pony Trek. Six. So the search continues. Direction is always sought, even as we stand still, content. How to get there, the destination itself is barely relevant. My travel partner must want to play travel games and like to hear women singing the blues in Sonic Youth. Um. I mean, I think what. What, uh. was engaging is the fact that it's a game. And. I have. you know, I, I haven't played a game like this since I was a kid. I haven't done a chain letter or. I mean, I barely send things to the mail anymore. Well, actually, I think I started sending postcards again, maybe around this to- the time that I hmm. sent in. I, I, th- I think that's true. I think that may be true. That's interesting. Yeah, because I was like, oh, that's pretty easy. <laughs> that was pretty <laughs> easy. I could just, I could just buy a whole box of postcards and then, you know. Right. I, yeah, actually, I think, you know what? I think that might have been what inspired me to start doing that yeah and then are you keeping them strictly like what's done on the postcard gets mailed and you're not taking image to remember it or post it anywhere is it really sort of kept to the material thing yeah i'm not documenting it and i'm not there's no project dimension there's it's not a project it's actually just thank you letters to friends (laughs) But I think that's probably a generational perspective to some extent, to feel that anything that's physical feels a little bit more real, a little less ephemeral. I felt like 
the Avid Consultant was going to be more of a writing project. And I wanted to simplify, actually. I remember thinking, like, this one will be simpler. And it won't, it won't rely on other people's input, because, you know, I'd always have to wait for these signs to come back. Which wasn't a bad thing, it just created its own rhythm. But I was dependent on other people to, to finish an issue and get it out with Anodyne. And Avid Consultant was just, just my stuff. Possibly to a problematic extent, but who knows. When in reading back through that, I sort of had this horrifying conclusion. That like, oh my god, I was kind of writing poetry, and I never really horrifying is the wrong word. But I never thought of it as like a you know a poetry project at all. But I could see that I was grasping to have some formality and metaphor and uh, and rhythm in a way that wasn't just like you know a journal spill. It was like a very distilled sense of what the journal spill would have been, and a, a much more presented in a much more sort of fake, casual, formal sense to some degree. But, you know, in zines in general, they were meant to be ephemeral. Now we have zine libraries. There's many different archives for zines. Some are online, but some of them are physical, attached to libraries. Like, so, for example, Washington, D.C. has a whole, a whole punk archive to itself. It's part of the Washington, D.C. library. Others are attached to universities, like Barnard has one. Um, I believe University of Maryland has one. I'm sure there are many, many others. But they weren't intended to be kept forever. It, they ended up being kept forever because people started to see the value in them. I think more than maybe some of the makers did at the time when they were first distributed. So those of us interested in innovative forms of zine archiving must find a way around the limited to digitize or not to digitize argument that to me seems to dominate many conversations of digital zine preservation. Um, we need interactive ways to display and interface with scenes that offer new engagements with their multiple materialities and contested histories. Fortunately, subcultural archival practices already exist that can tell us what zinesters want for and from their archives, practices that in theory could also benefit zine researchers and librarians who are interested in the thriving social worlds that cluster around these vibrant queer little booklets um, and this notion of a perverse um, materiality that Dr. Kretschmann brought up is really interesting to me there. Um, so to take advantage of such culturally saturated technologies, however, we need to fully reckon with why zines matter in the particular ways that they do. Agitate. Briar patch. While slipping into a nap the other day, it occurred to me that this experience has wandered into a prickly layer of grammatical metaphor just at dusk. Can't shake the notion now, and I'm suffering from constant realizations confirming the theory. The initial diagnosis was an army of commas, forcing an inescapable pause in travel, announcing contingency from every angle, commencing the duel between patience and restlessness. And that also reminds me about sticker packs. For a while, I was making these sticker packs and sending those around. And they, I was just like, I think just the packaging, I was thinking of like these, I bought this like huge bulk, you know, package of clear envelopes that you could stick things into and would make really cheap, crappy stickers at Kinko's on sticker paper. And they were like totally ironic. And like one was like Terry Bradshaw, was that his name? From, I don't know, what, like they were so they were so not stickers you'd want to put anywhere and that was kind of the, the point I guess but that felt really important and then I made like the the sticker I had a sticker I went on a rampage around Portland putting stickers that said too many stickers on all like the cars that were 
covered with political, you know, feel good. Um, that was even Boulder, too, actually, when this all started in Boulder, you know, when there was just so much PC, that pageantry of, like, how many bumper stickers can you get on your car? So I thought it was really clever to put on a sticker that said too many stickers on those cars. It was vandalism, actually, although they were so crappy, I'm sure they wiped off with, like, the first drizzle, so... I hope. Yeah, that was my that was my activism back in the day, stickering cars with too many stickers. Uh, I didn't have any hesitation at the time in contributing uh, when I was when I when I when I knew of the project when I was invited to participate. It was kind of a no brainer, but I had a lot of hesitation around what I would actually write in that blank square, in that blank rectangle, held up by those two people. Very earnest very committed people holding this sign, ready to kind of present your words. And so what I ended up writing was stop and listen, and then listen deeper. Um, and why did I write that? Because I tried writing a bunch of other things about the state of politics, about personal revelations, about you know grand poetry, um, and I just came back to a trope of mine, which is to keep your ears open and to, yeah, to navigate the world through your ears and to weight the ears as much as you do any other sense. I had this amazing sociology teacher in seventh grade, Mr. Risashi, and his mantra was be observant. It was like above the door. You know, now I think about that a lot. Like, and I think... All of zine making is being observant and inviting other people to be observant. And not only be observant, but, you know, kind of share your observations or express them in some way. So I didn't kind of act on making anodyne into anything, but a lot of the stories I've happened to have the opportunity and great fortune to make could easily have been anodyne articles, I guess you could say. You know, competitive model horse collecting or a love letter to a racehorse or, you know, a soundscape from Africa. Like, the, this audio pieces I've really loved, or that piece I shared with you about memory and watching the day after. Like, that that felt like a, an audio version of Anodyne to me. Consider what you need. It's a ward. Rains are gonna fall. Well, I feel like... Like, I have no capacity to put a pin in my own curiosity and my own curiosity for information. So the internet is actually really bad for me. And I know this is true for a lot of people, but this like, especially, this is how I feel it for me. Like, um, I can just be on the internet trying to find information for a long time and then forget, forget I'm doing it hours later. And so, and that's true with storytelling. Like I'm obsessed with storytelling, so I'm constantly listening or looking or reading or on transom or trying to find out what people are saying about it or just looking and listening to other people's work. I love doing that, but at some point you have to stop doing that. Um, so you actually have, to, and I have to be intentional about stopping doing that. So I have to sort of give myself parameters like, this week, I'm going to make rather than listen. Or, um, yeah, just sort of setting like specific time frames for doing specific things and, and making, making, making time for making work rather than listening or being a part of the conversation because you can be a part of that all the time. But for me, it's less about balance and more about like, or less about constant 24 hour balance, but more about like day to day. I need to to break it up that way, if that makes sense. 
contributed more to man's progress than any other art. By means of printing, the fund of knowledge accumulated through the ages is available to everyone, rich and poor alike. I don't have access. At Kinko's is different. I don't know people at Kinko's. I think it would actually be hard to put the magazine together without putting, or the zine together without putting a lot more time into well, it. Well, yeah, because so many, I mean, Kinko's don't even really exist anymore, No, No, it's like FedEx Kinko's, and you have to prepay everything so you can't get anything for free. God damn it. Um, and, and like, people just, they just don't seem as nice. I mean, this whole culture of, like, punks working at Kinko's, I just don't think it happens anymore for whatever reason. Well, that's interesting because then it becomes a lot more people kind of working alone in their room, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which, like, part of this whole was was the community building, even if it was just the community building with the person helping you print it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that kind of late night, early morning feel to the air. You know, that whole thing of being out, out in the world at that time and under fluorescent lights for too long and taking a break in the parking lot and, you know, like, definitely having snacks or beers or whatever, you know. It was it was a thing. It was like a whole, it was a whole process. Part of the, pro- again, it was process, you know, it was, it was like how it got made. Uh, before... Line drawing. Made in New Zealand. Avid consultant, the circumstantial issue has taken shape 18 hours ahead of most of you, under the influence of mediocre painkillers and some realizations maybe better left unrealized. Hanging out is easier if clothes basket is at waist level. Footnote. The unexpected interruption in my trip didn't even hear the bone crack, renders the crystal ball hanging from my backpack more useless than usual, as cloudy as the skies hanging over Dudenden these past few weeks. Hello, still enjoying? One thought, you may want to retrack. The proper pronunciation of the city's name is... Dunedin. Sound. Sound is important, as it influences everything. Jingly jangly guitar playing. Minimal bass lines, loose drumming, and keyboards. This is a place, the sound of a place, that traveled far beyond the confines of its borders to pull people in and influence out. I'm told it might be six weeks before mending is complete. Regardless of my newly introduced lightning quick recovery program, a stubborn foot remains reluctant to cooperate. Meanwhile, I've taken up residence on a very purple couch at the top of a long stairway. My exponentially generous friend lives above a camera shop downtown. When shops close up around six, the rushing around up there relocates quickly. As if it's a race, the street asserts a determined quiet, placing the day's letters of constant retail drone. My ears cling to the emptiness. Still, Dunedin is a fortunate place to be grounded. All staples are within hobbling distance and access to books, music, and caffeine is plentiful. The days pass by hook or crook. Been watching old movies, taking pictures of letter slots, sewing envelopes closed, then sending them to the other side of the world, spilling guts, concocting, excavating. So much of this seems to speak to 
grasping at the ideas in your head with the the world as it is, but necessitating new things to become available. So, like, you know, in reading something, finding a, a, a rhythm and, and finding a pacing, like, it starts to speak to the idea of this being more than words on a page for someone else to read, but being something that needs to be presented in a certain way, which necessitates a certain recording musicality presentation of it, which sort of then pre sets you on a path of what becomes podcasting hmm, yeah. where you're able to present the words the way you want them to be presented I think too with Avid moved into a, an, a physical space as well like that issue that you have one of them has you know rings that oh it doesn't have rings because I couldn't send them but it was held together by like little claspy metal rings so it came off the paper and there was another issue that really stands out in my mind. The theme was bullfighting, which seemed very profound at the time. And I had some great graphics and, you know, but it was, I just remember it being like such a nightmare to package because I decided to put each page on like a different shape of like construction paper. And then I would glue on the words on like a white piece of paper, but some were going horizontally and some were going vertically. So it was actually, Avid was also more expensive to make, which makes no sense at all. Like you try to get better and more efficient at things, but because there were always pieces, parts to it. And then, yeah, figuring out how to send it, but I didn't send around as many either. So it probably all evened out in the wash. Something that seems so important to the consumption of these as well as to the making very much seems the tactility of it. Mm-hmm. So like, even though it was a pain with the, the to start with how Avid Consultant went, like you still did it. Like, yep. can do you see that? And like, do you can you articulate why you think the tactility was a, a focus as part of it? I do remember the process and still, I think we've talked a little bit about what's brought me back to doing anodyne again is the process is like 75% of the joy and the reward. And back with Avid, it was like the process times 100 because right. I wish I could remember how many I would make of each, but I would like, it was like um, kind of a factory assembly line, basically, you know, and I just, I loved that process. I mean, now I would just be listening to podcasts the whole time, but then it was just like a total music bliss out experience of being you know, productive, feeling like I was getting things done, being very satisfied. I mean, I've never been a visual artist in the kind of drawing painting realm. So I think for me, feeling like I was succeeding and at least putting something together that I was proud of and ended up the way I wanted it to be was like by figuring out these small constructions and then putting them together. And then, you know, that's the beauty of like having the actual thing in your hand to read. Another thing I missed terribly, which is again, what's pulling me back to doing it again, but definitely, definitely the the object in your hands mattering and sitting out. To always avoid risk is to often miss the point. Codification need not be strictly functional or as formal as we're taught, nor as innocent. Invention should continue this molding of language. We are, after all, somewhat bound by it, and so certainly deserve some say in the matter. By the end of this, I'm running out of clothespins and have weighed enough decisions and striving for sensibility to bust the scales, but there are times when a bothersome foot injury seems less relevant than other circumstances hovering, like Plan B, 
whether the dog will remember me in a country about to instigate war. So, if you'd like to play the kids with sign game, or already have and would like to play again, or know someone who you think might like to play, or need some advice, or want to contact Francis Tate, or just feel like ranting about the general chaos that seems imminent, or perhaps you'd like to rave about it, please send your comments along with a brief statement to Anodyne.